It helps if I push the button. There you go. That's so, so much better, right? All right, let me start over again. Hey, good morning. Look at that. My name is Chris. If you don't know, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Springs Church, and uh, we're glad you're here. If you're online with us, we're glad you're here. We want you to be involved. I'm going to start today with what might seem like a really stupid question. You ready? How many of you are here? How many of you are here? Now, let me explain. I don't mean how many of you are just occupying a seat. I don't mean how many of you have come in the doors of Hope Springs Church today. I don't mean how many of you are watching on YouTube, how many of you have tuned in on Facebook. I mean how many of you are here, right now, present, fully focused on God, in the moment. If you're here, say, I'm here. If you're online, chat it out. I'm here. Type it into whatever thing. And look, I just want to welcome you again and say how honored I am to be sharing this time with you. And can we just take a minute to appreciate what we are able to do here? Can we just take a minute to appreciate the fact that we have the freedom to gather as a body of believers to celebrate the risen Christ? Can we celebrate the fact that we can be here physically, that we can be here online, that we can meet as disciples of Jesus to feed on the bread of life and to learn from the living word of God? Can we just be in awe of the fact that we are standing in the presence of the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that we can worship the Lamb of God who was slain as payment for our sins? Welcome to what I believe is a very holy moment in this place. I am so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Now, I know this would never happen in Hope Springs Church. I've heard it happens in some other churches. Whether you're here right now or not, the fact of the matter is there is a good chance that some of us may not be here for long. You might be here physically. You might not actually get up and walk out in the middle of this message. But there is a good chance that your mind might start to wander someplace else. There is a good chance that your attention may go elsewhere. That you might start thinking about things. You might be here now, but then all of a sudden your phone, which I hope is on vibrate, starts vibrating and you just can't resist. Answering that text message. You might be here now and realize that it's been 30 minutes since you've checked your Instagram feed. And man, there has been a lot of cat videos posted since you walked in the building. You might be here now, but then start realizing all the things you have to do this week. Or where am I going to eat lunch after this service is over? It's a shame that El Pilar is closed. I mean... You might be sitting here and be here now present, but then you're worried about that project you got going on at work, or you're worried about the bills that need to be paid. You might be worried about that distracting person two rows ahead of you. I don't know. I hope not here, not at Hope Springs Church. I'm glad you're here, but there is a chance that some of us might not be here for long. I want to set today's big idea with... um, 
a story from John's Gospel, chapter 2. John's Gospel, chapter 2. You can turn there if, uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app. Go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, second chapter. There's a story that we read. This is actually Jesus' very first miracle. And it's a little bit of an unusual story, a little bit of an unusual circumstance. Jesus is at a wedding with his mom, Mary, with his guys, some of his guys. We don't know that all of his guys are there, but there's at least some of his disciples there with him. And uh, so he's at a wedding. And these wedding feasts, it wasn't like, you know, we reserve four hours at the banquet hall and then we're all done. These weddings would last a day, two days, three days. And what happened was somewhere in the middle of this wedding, they ran out of wine. I mean, come on. They ran out of wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, isn't there something you can do? And Jesus is like, well, wait a minute, Mom. Not now. Not yet. It's not my time. I'm not going to do it. Nope, 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 nope. And, of course, she's his mother, so she probably gives him that mother look. And he's like, okay. Tells the servants to go fill up six large vessels with water. Now, this would not be like a large jar that mom used to put about 12 tea bags in, fill with water, set out on the ledge, make some sun tea. These would have been big jars, like 30 gallons, 40 gallons. So they fill up the jars with water. Jesus does his Jesus thing. And then he says, all right, take out some of that and go take it to the master of the banquet. And we pick up the story there and it says, that's what they did. That's what the servants did. And the master of the banquet. This is John chapter 2 starting in verse 8. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now the master of the banquet did, did banquet did not realize where it had come from. So the master of the banquet knew nothing about Jesus doing Jesus thing, turning this water into wine. As far as he knew, it was just plain old wine from the liquor store down the street, wherever that was in first century Jerusalem. But the servants knew what was going on. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after everybody drunk. This is what we do, right? Give them the good stuff, let them get a little sauced up, and then bring out the cheap stuff and nobody will ever know. He says, but you, you have saved the best. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. Because when I remember this story in my brain, I always go to, you have saved the best for last. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what the story says. It says, you have saved the best till now. The best until now. I want us to understand that when Jesus is a part of our lives, your best days are always these moments right here, right now. That's the title of today's message. Your best days are now. Let me pray for us and then we'll dig in. So, Father God, we live in a world that is so consumed with stuff, with information, with what's going to happen there and there and there and there and there. So much so that sometimes we forget to be where we are in this moment. So first and foremost, God, help us to not lean to those natural tendencies to let our minds wander, but in this place right now to focus on what you have to say to us. And second, God, we just ask that everything that happened here happens here be of you. 
that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, the same spirit as we said that raised Jesus from the dead, work in this place to affect lives, to change hearts, to open up our minds, to allow us to see that there is something better that you have planned for us, God. Use me for your will and for your purpose. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. amen. And if you're at home, type amen. Um, we're in the kind of almost finish line of a message series we call A Better Way. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been looking at Jesus and the way he lived his life in a hope that we can kind of live our life a little different. Because let's face it, who here is not busy? Who here is not like slammed with things to do? Who's, who here doesn't have, I, mean, I hope you're not like my brain. My brain's got like stuff circling all the time, right? I'm like thinking five days ahead, six days ahead, 12 days back, next year, all this kind of stuff. And we suffer from that every day, every day, every day, every day. But one of the most striking qualities if we read all the Gospels and look at what Jesus did and who he was, one of the most striking qualities we find is that Jesus was always fully present in the moment. Jesus always gave his undivided attention to whomever or whatever was going on right there. And we see that illustrated in a couple of back-to-back stories in Luke's Gospel. This starts... In chapter 18, Jesus is in his ministry. Jesus is traveling around from place to place, and he happens upon the town of Jericho. Now, this is the same Jericho that we read about in the Old Testament, right? You know, that God told the army to march around seven days, seven days, seven days, seven days. And when I tell you to sound the trumpets, sound the trumpets, and the walls will come down. So they did that. They marched around seven days, seven days, seven days, seven days, seven days. I can imagine those guys were thinking, is this all we're going to do is walk around this stupid city? They blew the trumpets, the walls came down. But eventually they built the walls back up, they came down again, they built them back up again. So Jesus is heading into Jericho, this great walled city, and the text tells us, we're not actually going to read this text, but you can read it when you get home. The text tells us that he was surrounded by people. There were large crowds following Jesus because he was getting kind of a good reputation. He was doing miracles and teaching, and they hadn't heard anything like this, and everybody wanted to be where Jesus was. It was like this, 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 this commotion. I mean, imagine being like at a Ravens game with all them people around you, right? That's kind of what it was. Everywhere Jesus went, everybody wanted his attention, and he could have been like, I don't even know what to focus on. But then a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, is sitting there in the crowd. And Jesus passes by. And Bartimaeus just kind of hears that Jesus is coming near him. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know what Jesus guys did? This is what we would do. Jesus guys were like, Oh, stay away. Jesus is busy. Jesus has got a lot of business to do. Jesus has got things to take care of. He's got an agenda. He's got a to-do list. And look, we haven't even checked off half of these things. Just leave him alone. Go away, blind man Bartimaeus. You know what Jesus did? He told his disciples to get to stepping and turned around and said to Bartimaeus, what is it that you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want you to heal me. And Jesus stopped 
in the middle of all the craziness, all the commotion, all the things Jesus could have been worried about and focused on, he stopped and healed Bartimaeus. Jesus stopped for a guy that nobody else had time for. This is what he does for you. This is what he does for me. No matter where we are in our brain, Jesus always says you are the most important person. In that moment, nothing else mattered for Jesus except for that one-on-one relationship, that one-on-one thing. He's calling us all the time to that kind of place where we need to silence ourselves and stop thinking about all the stuff. And then Luke moves right into the next story, back to back to back. And this is what we read about this. This is kind of the setup. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So the text tells us that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. That means he had something to do. He was going somewhere else. And he'd already been interrupted once. Whatever Jesus was doing, you have to imagine it was probably important. Right? Jesus don't do no dumb stuff. Jesus is going somewhere, and it's probably important. He'd already been interrupted once, but he sees Zacchaeus, and he stops. This is what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. His life was lived with undivided attention to what was happening in that moment. He stops for Zacchaeus, and we don't know a whole lot about Zacchaeus, unless you went to Sunday school and you learned a song, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Right? So we know he was a wee little man. And he climbed up in a tree. But just by the text saying that he was a tax collector. If you read any history about that, you know that that was basically the most hated profession on the face of the Jewish earth. He wasn't just like an, an IRS agent. He was like the most corrupt the most evil. He was taking money that didn't belong to him. Not only was he collecting the money, but then he would take a little bit off the top for himself to flush his own pockets. Jesus stops for this rich and corrupt tax collector named Zacchaeus. It was worse than that, brother. It was worse than that. But not only does he stop for him, he calls him by his name. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, how about we order some Panera and go eat at your house? And he did. He sat down, and all the things Jesus had to do, he stopped and gave his full attention in that moment to Zacchaeus. And they started having a conversation. Just a conversation. That's it. This is what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to silence ourselves enough to be involved in that conversation with him. And you know what happened? This corrupt, vile Scum of the earth tax collector says, I got to change. I have encountered something that I can't ever be the same after this. He says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And not only that, but I'm going to pay back everybody I cheated four times what I stole from them. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to your house. This is Jesus. This is who he is. If we don't learn anything from Jesus, we should learn this. Jesus stops and gives full attention 
present in the moment to the rich people, to the poor people, to the prostitutes, to the addicts, to the mom who can't even do anything else, to the people sitting out on the street and can't get a, a bite to eat, to you. He stops and gives you his full attention. He had an undivided attention to the moment. And this is what he gives this man and us. He gives love and an ear and grace and compassion and mercy and salvation. He was always present in the moment. And I want to be like that. What about you? I, I, stay tuned, brother. I want to be like that. The problem is, for me, I'm not. I'm not always like that. I'm not always fully present in the moment. And maybe, maybe you're not either. Maybe you're not. Not just the happy moments, right? Because it's really easy to be present in the happy moments. When everything's going good, singing happy birthday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Somebody spits all over the candles, blows out the cake, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we eat the cake with all the spit on it. That's a thing. That's a thing. Not just the happy moments, but all the moments, all the moments, the chaotic moments, the busy moments, the sad moments, even the annoying moments, right? As a parent, we have lots of those annoying moments. You know, Miss Susie and I, we, we raised a blended family. And, and, and if you've had kids, you already know the challenges with kids. If you've raised a blended family, you know that's some jacked up stuff up in there. I'm telling you what, there was never a day that it wasn't hectic and chaotic. I mean, all the normal kid stuff, right? Like my son running to the refrigerator and back like 27 times a day just because he could, jumping on things, doing flips. You know, picking on his sisters. His older sister thought she was the boss of everybody. It's true. But then you put on the whole blended family thing. It was chaos. It was chaos. And Susie and I would regularly sit down at the end of the day after we finally got kids to sleep, after we finally checked on them 15 times, after they finally had run to the bathroom 37 times and jumped off of something else. And we'd sit there, and you've all said the same thing. I can't wait until the day... When this house is peaceful and quiet. Anybody else ever said that? I can't wait until that day. I can't wait until that thing. And we worry so much about these can't waits in our lives. We worry so much about what's going to happen down the road. And some of us fall into the same trap that I've fallen into, which is complaining today about the moments you're going to miss tomorrow. Think about it. We're at the age in our lives. I see all my friends posting on Facebook, kids graduating from high school, kids graduating from college, kids getting into you know middle school and high school. And what do they always write? Don't blink. Don't blink. We wish these moments away because we don't want to be fully present in the chaos and all that junk that goes around with life. And then somewhere down the road, we say the same thing. I wish I could get those moments back. I wish I could. Instead of living in the moment, we wish our lives away. Jesus was always fully engaged in the moment. We need to be more like Jesus. Y'all still here? Because the statistical odds say that I have lost some of you. You know, there's a Harvard study that was done. 
that says 47% of the time, your mind is not where your feet are. Think about that. 47% of the time, you are physically standing somewhere, but your mind is far away. It's, it's worried about bills and groceries and kids and chaos and all that kind of stuff. It goes to dumb things. And the worst offender of all in this day and age is that little thing we carry in our pocket, our cell phones, our little mobile device, our window to the world, which everybody thought was a great thing. And look, I'm not, I'm not anti-cell phone, but do you know, Harmony did some statistics on cell phone use a couple of weeks ago, but do you know that the average cell phone user touches their phone 2,000 617 times a day. That's a lot of cat videos, folks. That's a lot of TikTok. 2,617 times a day. Extreme users, if you're one of those people who like have a permanent cell phone, you know, you got like cell phone thumb, right? You got to go to the doctors and get like a cast on there or something like that. 5,400 times a day you are touching your phone and looking at your screen. And all I got to say about that is I hope you clean it once in a while because that's pretty gross. <laughs> Thousands of times a day, we willingly allow our mind to go someplace else other than where we are. And if we're not wasting time on our devices, if we're not inventing things, then what we end up doing is we play mind games with ourselves. I want to kind of give us some of the things we do, and hopefully we can get away from those. The first thing we do is we play the when-then game, right? When I get out of high school, then I can worry about it. When I get out of college, then I can worry about it. When I get the job, then I... Well, now I got the job, but when I get a better job, then I can worry about it. Well, well when I get a real job, right? This is just a temporary one. When I pay off my student debt, then I'll worry about it. When I'm married, then I can focus on what's going on now. When my kids are out of diapers, then I can focus on what I, you know, when I get a better house, that's the problem. When I get a better house, when I get a better vacation, when I can go for two weeks instead of just like three days without the kids. When we're not so busy with those kids, when the kids are all grown up. And you know what happens eventually? The when then becomes when I get my diaper changed, think about it. When I'm the one wearing diapers and life is gone and now we're, you know, everything has been gone. We go through life wishing away the current moment. Folks, do not miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Jesus wants us here in the now. And if we're not playing the when then game, we play the what if game. What if I don't pass that test? What if I don't get that promotion? What if I never get along with my coworkers? What if I don't find the right school? What if the economy fails? What if I can never afford a house? What if I never find a spouse? What if I don't get 100 likes on the meme I just posted? That would be catastrophe. Catastrophe. We worry so much. And Jesus talks a lot about worry in his word. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Pray this way, God, give us today what we need for today. 
He says, his mercies are new every morning. Why are they new every morning? They're new every morning because you don't got to worry about tomorrow morning. You don't have to worry about what's happening down the road. He's got you in the here and in the now. He doesn't tell us not to plan for the future. He tells us not to worry about the future. And the reason he counsels us that way is because worrying about our future robs us of the now. It robs us of the moments that he wants us to experience in this life right now. Still here? Still here? Good. But why don't we live in the moment? Sure, we're busy. Some of us are, yes, I suffer from adult ADHD all the time. I'm like, squirrel. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do. Taking our kids from place to place, being, you know, soccer mom, having the sports taxi everywhere. You know, we got a lot to do. We got work. We got lives. We're adulting, right? I mean, that's the whole word now. We're adulting. I'm supposed to worry about all this stuff. And all that's true. But those aren't really the things that keep us from living in the moment, in the here and now. I think there's two reasons. Well, actually, they're connected. Two things that we need to do. Surrender and trust. Surrender and trust. The only way we can ever learn to be present in this moment is to surrender the past that you cannot change and trust God with the future that you cannot control. That's right. All the stuff that's in the past is in the past. It ain't affecting what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. Jesus says, let it go. Jesus says, stop it. And then he says, trust me for the future. This is the God we just sang about that can speak to the wind and the waves. And they will be calm and still. If he can do that, can't we trust him with our future? Can't we trust him with all the things that we worry about? He redeems our past. He says, it's paid for. It's done. It's finished. And he's good in the future. And let me tell you, God is really good at being good. And if we can get that, that we surrender what we can't control, and we give to him what we can't control, sorry, surrender what we can't change and give to him what we can't control, then we can be fully engaged in the moment. But we put so much emphasis on what are we going to do then. James says this, Listen, you say this, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Sound familiar? We make all these kind of plans, don't we? He says, why? Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Some translations say your life is but a vapor. We think we got so much time on this earth. We're like, I'll get to it when the time comes. Instead of being present in the here and now, life will be gone before we know it. Why waste it? Why waste it worrying about what you can't control? We've got to surrender that to God. Surrender that to God. Got to be in the here and in the now. Our life is kind of like, it's kind of like this hourglass here. You guys got that? This hourglass, I look at this hourglass, I notice a couple of things. The first is it kind of freaks me out how fast the sand is going. 
But I noticed some real things that we can apply to our life. The first thing is we don't know how much sand is at the top of this hourglass. We never know how many days we have on this earth. Only God knows that. We don't know how much time. We don't know how much we're going to be able to do. Why do we worry about it? How much time do we have? We don't know. The second thing is we can't stop the sand from flowing. Our life is going to pass by. Whether we try to stop it or not, our life is going to pass by. Live in this moment, not in the moments that aren't here here yet. And the last thing is that once that sand gets to the bottom, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. It's there. Now, yes, I know some of you are saying, but Chris, can't you just turn the hourglass over again? Not my point. Not my point. Once it's done, it's done. Once God calls us home, we can't go back and live in the here and now. The here and nows are gone. And so we've got to kind of take our cue from David, right? David, David says this, Psalm 118, he says, this is the day. This is the hour. This is the second. This is the minute. This place right here is the time that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God wants us to be in this moment, fully in his presence. That's the other thing. If we're not in this moment, we can't be fully in God's presence because we're so worried about everything else. In this day, he says, rejoice, be glad, trust God, surrender, Forget about your past. He's already redeemed it. He's already paid the price. God is good at controlling your future. He knows what plans he has for you. And let me tell you what, they don't suck. They do not. Trust him. Because I'll tell you what you can't do if you're not living in this moment, in this day. You can't be happy where you are not. You can't be filled with joy Living in five days from now. Can't be happy where you're not. You can't serve Jesus where you're not. Nobody ever scheduled an appointment to meet with somebody they could serve. These are the things that come and, 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 and just happen in our lives. And we walk around with these what if, what then, blinders on. And we miss so many opportunities to serve Jesus because we're not where we are. And you can't love people where you're not. Can't love people five days in advance. This is the day the Lord has made. The most important moment in your life is this one right now. The most important person in your life is the person in front of you, wherever you are, whenever you are. The most important thing you can do for God is the thing he's putting in front of you right now. The most important moment is the one where you are fully in the moment, in God's presence, here and now. And it's easy. It's easy to live for the big moments. That's easy. We all do that. But we want to be fully present Because it's the small moments that matter the most. And if we're only living for the big moments, if we're worried about all that stuff, if we're five days in advance, we're going to miss all that small stuff. I do this. I admit it. I get so caught up in planning things. I mean, you know, I'm working two jobs. I'm not complaining. I love it. I love serving God. But there's a lot that has to go on between Sundays. And it sometimes consumes me to the point where I miss out. And I try not to, but I do. I miss out 
on the moments that are here and now. And I could have done that Father's Day, in fact. Something happened that it may not seem like a big deal to you guys. But this past Father's Day was the first time in many years that I actually communicated in some way with all three of my children. That hasn't happened in a long time. Seems like a small thing. And I could have just been going on with my life that was probably, you know, a couple of hours before I would have been running a sermon or, or maybe I had just got, I can't even remember exactly when that all kind of gelled. It was either Saturday or Sunday. But, you know, if it had been a normal day and it was Sunday and I was like, I'm done, I'm spent because when I get out of here, it's like I just don't want to focus on anything. I'm not in the here, I'm not in the now. I could have missed that. I could have missed that moment. I want to say this. Don't miss what you have now pursuing what you want later. Tomorrow will worry about itself. God's got it. He's in control. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the time. This is the moment. That's the way Jesus lived. People were not interruptions to Jesus' schedule. People were not inconveniences to Jesus' schedule. Showing grace was not something that aggravated Jesus because they were interrupting something he was on his way to. They were opportunities. They were moments. Because Jesus always lived in the here and now. And we got to be honest with ourselves. It's easy to get preoccupied with our stuff. It's easy to get preoccupied with ourselves. It's easy to pull out the phone to take a selfie and completely miss what's going on in the moment, metaphorically or physically. It's easy to do that. And listen, if anybody had a right to do that, it was Jesus on his way to the cross, being ridiculed and beaten, tortured, ripped to shreds, Stripped naked, embarrassed, spit on, nailed to a cross with nails through his wrists and through his feet. If anybody had a right to be focused on themselves and not be in the here and now, we could give Jesus a little bit of slack on that. But that's not what happened. While he's up there struggling to lift himself high enough to get a breath on the cross, while he knows his fate, while he knows he's soon going to die, he turned to the guy next to him who had a right to be there, a thief, a criminal. And that guy said to him, remember me. When you go to your father. Now Jesus could have said. I'm sorry man. I'm just trying to keep alive here. For the next 20 minutes. So the pigeons don't pluck my eyeballs out. He could have said. I'm sorry man. I got to deal with this sin thing. That's going on in my head. He could have said. I'm sorry man. My father just forsook me. Is that the right word? I hope it is. It's the right word now. That's right. But he didn't. In that moment, he was fully present. And he turned to that man and he said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Even when we could have given Jesus a pass, he was still fully present in the moment.
I'm going to say it again. You cannot be happy where you are not. You cannot serve Jesus where you are not. And you cannot love people where you are not. If we don't live in the here and now, if we don't take our cue from Jesus being fully present in this moment, we risk missing out on the life that God has designed for us. If you want to be a great friend, you've got to be here and now present. If you want to be a great spouse, you've got to be present in the moment, in every moment. If you want to be a better mom or a better dad, you can't do that five days in advance. You've got to be in the moment. If you want to be a great influence to your children or to the teenagers in your neighborhood or to the people you work with, you've got to be in that moment noticing what's going on. You can't do that if you're not there. You can't do it if your mind is somewhere else. You have to be where your feet are. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be in it, in it, in it. And right now, speaking of being in the present, right now, God is offering you grace and mercy and a new life and salvation. He's offering you Jesus. That work we just talked about on the cross was not for show. It's so that our condition of sin can be satisfied. We may not think much about our condition of sin. We may not think we're sinners. But the fact is, is that condition of sin separates us eternally from God. It separates us eternally from his love and his mercy and his grace and an everlasting life eternally spent with him. And listen, if you're online, if you're in this place and you have never, if you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that's how we're going to close today. In this moment, take advantage of it. In this time, be fully present with Jesus. In this time, allow God's grace that is pulling on you right now to do its work. And we'll pray together like this. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross to pay for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose three days later, defeating my spiritual death. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you so much for anybody who has, who has just allowed themselves to be in the here and now, responding to your grace. We know you're rejoicing and we rejoice with you. And God, help us, help us as flawed human beings who are so prone to worrying about this and that and wondering what we're going to do five days down the road and next minute and, and, and just, you know, all the stuff that bombards us. Help us to silence that. And be present, present for the people around us, present for ourselves, but most of all, present for you, God, in this moment so that we can connect on a deeper level and serve you and love your world, God. Finally, we ask that you keep everybody safe and healthy until we meet again. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll all say, Amen. If you're at home, type amen. I love you, folks.
Don't forget next week. What do we got? That was like miserable. Come on, what do we got next week? Kona Ice, right? Yo! Love you guys. See you next time.